Hello everybody and welcome to February of 1991. In the news this month, baseball's Hall of Fame Board of Directors vote unanimously 12-0 to bar Pete Rose from baseball. Tanya Harding wins the U.S. Female Figure Skating Championship. James Brown is released from prison after serving 15 months for taking police on a two-state car chase. Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory is the number one song of the month. A Michigan court bars Dr. Jack Kevorkian from assisting in suicides. And the top three movies are King Ralph, Sleeping with the Enemy, and The Silence of the Lambs. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And I'm your host, Chris. The other host. Wouldn't you be my co-host? Um, the uh, no, I'd prefer the other host because you're you're a co-host. I'll I'm, be your co-host. Okay, well, maybe we'll just be co-co-hosts. Co, co-co-host. <laughs> All right. So we have how many titles this month? Eleven. Because short month. There was some dispute about that a moment ago. Yeah. Well, we found limited releases. We don't do limited releases. We're too good for that. <laughs> it's beneath us. <laughs> <laughs> Our production quality is too high for that. All right, so uh, coming in at number what, Chris? Because I don't have the numbers this It's number 11. You're starting with 11. Sorry. (laughs) Because there's 11 movies this month. We've ruined the podcast already. (laughs) Turn us off now. Come back tomorrow. All right, so coming in at number 11 is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, grossing $739,000. You know, I saw the title of this movie, and I was like, not interested at all. And that that judging a movie by its title is not a good (laughs) idea, I guess, because... After I read the description, I'm kind of like I, I I would be interested. Not only are the, the not only is the story itself an interesting take, but the actors are wonderful people and they do a great job in this movie. So tell us about it. So the IMDb says two minor characters from the play Hamlet stumble around unaware of their scripted lives and are unable to deviate from them. It stars Gary Oldman and Tim Roth and Richard Dreyfuss plays an important like third lead. But basically, it's exactly that. So they're in the play Hamlet, Tim Roth and and Gary Oldman, but they don't realize that they're in a play. They don't know how they got to where they got. They try and like backtrack their day and say, how did we get here? And they're confused about where they are and why they're there the entire movie. It's just a really nice take a different take on on Hamlet, and I thought it was an original idea. Whether or not it's been done before, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I watched it a couple months ago in preparation for this podcast, and I thought they all did a really good job. And dry, anytime Dreyfus is on screen, you get excited. Yeah. See, that's how I feel about Gary Oldman. Um, and Tim Roth is always nice to watch. So it's definitely something I need to look into. And I say that a lot. I'm realizing. And you and never ha- look into. Yeah. Him? Well, having a child and being between houses has made it really rough to watch any extra movies. That's fair. Um, Also, I need to give Gary Oldman much more respect and acknowledgement than I give him because having realized who he is in true romance blew my mind. Yeah, he's all over the place, but we'll talk about that when we get to true romance. Maybe we should talk about it now because we're going to wait. The, the, the the character that he played couldn't be any further from who he play who he seems to really be. Yeah, he's got a lot of range. All right, moving on. Yeah, so uh, number ten, the movie Run, earning four point four million dollars. When a law student accidentally kills the son of a mob boss in a fight, he finds himself on the run from the mob and the police. Uh, this is starring Patrick Dempsey and Kelly Preston, and I know you got a lo- lot of love for Patrick Dempsey. I mean. I think he's good. He's all right. I don't think he's anything great. So this movie really doesn't appeal to me. What was the Dr. McSteamy, Dr. Dreamy? Grey's Anatomy. I was never a fan, but I was aware that that was a thing. And those names really, really bothered me. But aside, <laughs> he was McDreamy. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. That's weird. But McSteamy okay. was uh, the, his when his friend came to the show in like the second season. It's all very feminine. <laughs> and I watched I got through about six seasons of that show. It it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Anyway, Patrick Dempsey is an amazing actor. Can't buy me love. Mobsters, just two off the top of my head. Also, so before I started seeking out weird movies, I I would watch a movie 
at any point if I had caught it from the beginning, if it was on TV. This is like prior yeah, to... Yeah, I've seen you do this many times. Prior, I'm talking prior to Netflix and, and, and yeah. streaming services. I saw this movie one time. I still don't know what the name of it is. I got to figure it out. Oh, it's going to be a great story. It's not. It's going to be a terrible <laughs> story. It was the most mundane movie I've ever seen with Pat. With, at, at the time, it was like the oddest, mundane, boring movie. So Patrick Swayze like breaks out of jail or something, I believe, and he's hiding out in his cabin like off in the woods somewhere. And then this woman accidentally crashes her car into the lake that he's hiding out the house. The, there's like a lake behind the house that he's hiding out in. So you're just telling us about a random movie right yes, now? Yes. If somebody out there no, is listening. to do with anything? No. If somebody <laughs> out there is listening and they know the title of this movie, please hit me up on Twitter. Because I remember this movie and I remember being like, at the time, this was like the wildest, <laughs> weirdest, most uh, like insignificant movie Wait, I had ever so seen. Just to be clear, you said Patrick Swayze. Did you mean Patrick Dempsey? Well, yes. <laughs> I also meant Dempsey. Which is why I was so confused. I'm like, why are you telling me about the Sways right now? <laughs> All right. So I definitely meant Patrick Dempsey. We understand what I mean. Just, I was very lost in that. Well, you clarified and we brought it back. So here we are. All right, what came in at number nine? Popcorn, grossing $4.6 million. A master of disguise, deranged killer, begins killing off college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. So if you look up this movie on IMDb and you see what it what would be the cover art if you were in um, oh, Blockbuster, you would know exactly what this title is. You've it's, probably never seen it, though. I've never seen this, no. Yeah. But it, it's starring nobody and directed by no one. Think so. about the premise of this movie. Like he I actually it, really like it. Yeah. He you finds don't? out. I mean, it's just the idea. Like, why does he start killing those particular people? It sounds to me like the fan of a, of a genre making a movie. And I'm all Ooh, over that. That's like Scream. Yeah. Or or any Tarantino movie. Yeah, like it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Coming in at number eight. Nothing but trouble. Earning $8.4 million. A businessman and his friends are captured by a sadistic judge and his equally odd family in the backwoods of a bizarre mansion. This movie starring, uh, well, directed by Dan Aykroyd, starring Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Demi Moore. I remember parts of this movie. The only thing that really stands out to me is Dan Aykroyd dressed up like a 90-year-old man and playing a judge and being... But I can't remember, like, everything that happened. I remember the mansion and them, like, running around outside the mansion at one point. I, I, I I don't know why this movie gets so much hate. I watched it not that long ago, again, in preparation for this podcast. First off, what happened to the days of uh, an hour 30 runtime movies? Well, February was great for the hour 30 runtime. That's all I need. Unless you're you're head and shoulders above, you know, all the other movies, right? If you're in the elite category, you don't need to be over an hour 30, hour 40 40 runtime. And let's be clear, like, in this month of the podcast, we do have, like, one of the top Five thriller movies of all time mm-hmm. and it was only a, an hour 58 runtime yeah I, I don't need who needs three hours of nonsense no, i got things not. to do i agree an hour and a half is where a movie should be for especially when you're talking about comedies yeah oh, oh all right so l- let's bring it back to nothing but trouble i thoroughly enjoyed this movie it's like um it's like a funny horror comedy silly the only place that it lost me is there's these two deformed brothers yes, they're in okay, diapers yeah. and they they look weird it's completely out of place that's dan Aykroyd and his ridiculous writing yeah that that was like i was like all right you could have taken this out but everything else it fit what the movie was a young tupac digital underground playing music dan Aykroyd playing the organ with you know digital underground could have left that out but whatever it was this movie was fine for what it was well just so you know Roger Ebert hated this movie so much he refused to review it. I I I can see him doing something like that for a movie like this, but I feel like that's way too pompous for well, what this movie was. And I think the big thing about Roger Ebert, he just historically doesn't understand comedies. So, all right, number seven, scenes from a mall, grossing nine point five million dollars on their sixteenth anniversary. A married couple's trip to a Beverly Hills mall becomes the stage for the personal revelations and deceptions. 
It's a Woody Allen movie starring Woody Allen and Bette Midler. I'm out for Woody Allen. Also, though, if you... Yeah, I'm definitely out for Woody Allen. But if you told me that I would enjoy Stella starring Bette Midler last year, I would have given you the same opinion. So who knows? So you'll watch it because it's Bette Midler because she impressed you in Stella? No. <laughs> I didn't say that. Try to trick you into it. I'm All just right. saying maybe be open-minded. <laughs> I won't be open-minded, we, but maybe we, you should be open-minded. We're not very open-minded on this podcast. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> All right, coming in at number six. He said, she said, grossing $9.6 million. TV viewers love seeing the two reporters with opposing views on the show. He said, she said. Womanizer Dan and Lori fall for each other. Love? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrific description. Yeah, but I love the love question mark. Uh, IMDb, you let us down. Yeah. So this is directed by two people. Okay. Two, two directors. Okay. One's not enough. Okay. Ken Quapis. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm saying that. He directed Such Delights as Dunstan Checks In Oh. and Mortician and the Beast. Oh, yeah. And it was co-directed by Marissa Silver. So would it bet Ken quit because the movie was shit and Marissa stepped in? And Seems like that's what's going on here. Okay. Uh, starring Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Perkins. Uh, she's a te- television actress. Nathan Lane and Sharon Stone. So there's like big names here. Can I can I express to you maybe my favorite actor in the lot of those is Nathan Lane? Nathan Lane's fantastic. He's funny. I mean, he was a great Timon. Great Timon. <laughs> Best Timon ever. The, the, he's the Timon. He's he, the quintessential Timon. <laughs> Okay, coming in at number five, here's one that maybe you love or hate. The never-ending story to the next chapter. So IMD, this grossed $17 million. IMDb says a young boy with a distant father enters a world of make-believe and magic through a portal within an antique book. Everybody knows the, the first one. My children have seen the first one multiple times. Can I tell you that I was afraid of my own shadow when I was a young boy? And I don't know, the, the first one, not this one. Scared the life out of me <laughs> for no apparent reason. So can I tell you, you know how you watch Jaws and Jurassic Park basically on repeat your whole life? Yes. Okay. So my older brother, Sean. Yes. He did that with the never ending story, the first movie. Okay. So by the time I was four years old, like I was just over the never ending story. Never wanted to watch it again. The giant dog just pissed me off. Just looking at his <laughs> face made me nauseous. So I, I've never seen the never ending story. I, too. I feel like this movie has that tone of like nausea inducing Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I feel like it makes you queasy, this like, movie. Like batteries not included. I can't speak to that. <laughs> that movie makes me queasy. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was never a fan of the first one as a kid. And I know that this one is, is, is subpar compared to the first one. So take that for what it is. All right. Well, coming in at number four. I think we flew through this in record time. Oh, yeah? How much? Where, where, where are we at right now? 14 minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. Go ahead. All right. So coming in at number four, L.A. Story, earning $28.8 million. That's a nice chunk of change. Yeah, it's pretty good. With the help of a talking freeway billboard, a wacky weatherman tries to win the heart of an English newspaper reporter who is struggling to make sense of the strange world of the 1990s Los Angeles. I know you've seen this movie several times. I've actually never seen L.A. Story, and I know it's kind of popular. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, Directed by Mick Jackson. He directed Volcano and the Bodyguard and starring Steve Martin, Victoria Tennant. She's a TV actress as well. Uh, Richard E. Grant has done a lot of character work over these. He actually had like like 60 something, maybe more IMDb's mm-hmm. uh, and Sarah Jessica Parker, Kevin Pollack and Patrick Stewart all make appearances. Kevin Pollack is a treat. Yeah, I, you know, I love Patrick Stewart. Who doesn't love Patrick Stewart? Yes. Who Thinking about it, though, thinking about Steve Martin's filmography, I think I, I'm more of a Steve Martin fan than I, I realized that I was. I can't think of many Steve Martin movies that I don't like enjoy. I'm, I'm not going to say there are any movies that I was like, besides like My Blue Heaven and The Jerk. Like, there's not many movies that I'm like, oh, I love that movie. But So I remember enjoying this. I remember the one with uh, he's the uh, televangelist with Eddie Murphy in it. I don't. I don't think I've seen. That I don't movie. know the name of it. I, re- I liked Roxanne. I didn't like Roxanne. I, see, I didn't. I hated Roxanne. I, well, liked, I was Sergeant Bilko. I liked Sergeant, oh, Sergeant Bilko. Bilko is great. That um, was a good movie. Cheaper by the Dozen is cheaper a fun by the movie. Dozen. The whole series is great. There's, there's, there's two. three. Okay, two. two. There was second one with Eugene Levy. I love. 
Uh, Father of the Bride is good. See, good Father of the Bride Part Two. I really don't remember because I know there was a second one. I don't really. Remember I think that. they're doing another Father, Father of the Bride. Is it Steve Martin? Yeah, I uh, think it's like Grandfather of the Bride or something. <laughs> I could bu- be butchering the title, but I'm virtually certain they're See, doing a new. My one. my favorite thing about Steve Martin though is like he he's funny without being. Well, that's not true. He was perverse and the jerk, <laughs> but he's also very lovable. Like a yeah. very. He seems, for some reason, like a very trustworthy person. Like, you'd be okay if he was your dad. Yeah, you'd be in good <laughs> hands if Steve Martin was your pops. All right, that's it for the uh, for the list. We're into the top three. Here we go, the top three of February 1991. You should do voiceovers, bro. I think I'm pretty good. Or a good podcast. Yeah, Why don't you podcast. do a podcast? You sound I'll try. Really, sound it's the really only good. reason I'm here. I don't have enough knowledge for this, but... <laughs> I sound all right. <laughs> all right. So number three is King Ralph grossing $33.5 million. The rain appears to have stopped, Your Majesty. We should be able to continue with the portrait. So I should hope, Albert. First time we've had the whole family together here for six years. <laughs> right, we're ready now, everybody. Now, after three, one... Two, three. Oh, dear. Now, a new king must be found. Excuse me, Sir Cedric. Yes? I do believe we've found an heir. Is he everything we might have hoped? Allow me to introduce our sovereign lord, Ralph Jones, King of Great Britain, head of the Commonwealth, defender of the faith. John Goodman is everybody having a good time. Is King Ralph. Good dollar, Miss Molly. Where did they find this man? John Goodman. Peter O'Toole. He's uncouth. He's unkempt. He's the king. King Ralph. All right, so let me just start off by saying. Didn't hate King Ralph. Let me let me add to that by saying I didn't hate any of the movies that we watched this month. I'm not overly impressed, but I also I didn't hate it. I, I it was a it was a little fun little movie. The hour and a half really makes it much more enjoyable. Listen, if you're gonna make an okay movie, you have to make it an hour and a half. Right, like this movie surely has several problems, but. I mean, the the premise of the movie is actually a pretty funny one. And how they got there, I enjoyed. Yeah. So give give the plot quickly. All right. Okay. So the uh, the whole the, the whole British royal uh, family royal family gets killed while having their picture taken because I guess they they're in a puddle and the the camera falls into the puddle and electrocutes them. Yeah. So they're all dead. <laughs> they're all dead. The whole the whole lineage. Yes. So they have to dig deep into the the royal family history and they find Ralph Jones, mm-hmm. who is a. Uh, cabaret singer, I guess, is what it what would you describe that as? Piano player, player singing in, in a bar in, in Vegas. Las Vegas, and they find him, and apparently he's a distant cousin of the royal family and the closest bloodline. So this stars John Goodman as Ralph, Peter O'Toole as Willingham, John Hurt as Graves, and Richard Griff- Griffiths, excuse me, as Phipps who's Uncle Vernon in Harry Potter. Oh, you know, you had to take that from me, didn't you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell everybody he's in Harry he's Potter. He's Vernon Dursley in Harry Potter, and it got I got really excited when I saw him on screen. He, I'm like, Uncle Vernon! He's another one who looks like, except for in Harry Potter, when he plays he plays a very good huge douche, he looks like a man who just, you want to hug. Yeah, and I gotta be honest, like he, I, I know this is only 10 years before, but... He looks younger in Harry Potter than he does in this movie. He's not in good physical condition. Oh, no, absolutely not. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but look, I didn't expect anything from this movie. In fact, I expected to hate this movie, and having watched it, I was entertained. Yeah, same here. I I sat down. I'm like, okay, it's only an hour and a half. This isn't going to be so bad, but I'm definitely not enjoying this movie. And I actually did. I, I didn't check to see how much time was left, not even once. I thought they took a ridiculous premise and made a fairly coherent movie i agree i I thought they relied too much on his buffoonery the first half of the movie is all about him just being a buffoon and then the big ending is also him just being a buffoon all right so the only time i thought that they took his character's idiocy too far was when 
he was playing the piano for the important oh reception. Oh my god! All right, so let me ask you this: music. What's the problem oh with the with the singing in '90s movies? What's the why, problem? Why do they with they it? love it, and it's not even like like John Goodman's not even like this good singer. He like, saw it three times, three songs, and I understand the beginning because you have to establish that this is what he does for a living. But that's it. No more. Also, what's with the amount of cursing in a PG movie in 1991? Was I that was PG thirteen by this time. No PG. Uh, yes, there was PG thirteen. I don't remember when PG thirteen hit. Yeah, it was, I think um, Gremlins created it. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, there was uh there was a lot of cursing for a PG movie in this. I was watching it with Chase, my seven year old son, and I was like, eh. maybe because it's British, they they're they have a different. Uh, oh, what what's the quote? <laughs> they're on a whole another level of swearing. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. All right. So my favorite scene. I thought it was the best scene was the whole uh, him meeting with the king of Zambezi. Yeah. And they're playing darts and he beats him in darts. And the king of Zambezi like, oh, I got a different game. And then all of a sudden they're throwing spears. It's larger <laughs> darts. It's just bigger darts. <laughs> it was a giant dartboard. It's just giant darts. <laughs> it was very entertaining. All right. And he wins them over and they become best friends. And uh, then they, they, he sponsors their car, their car manufacturing. Yeah, I, th- I I thought that I thought that the movie was good. I didn't really have any issues with it. I really liked the uh, made me laugh out loud was the the when they they tried to bring the princess to him to to like the the arranged marriage. And all of a sudden, her voice is like this. Her voice was amazingly <laughs> funny, and then she was so aggressively uh, sexual. <laughs> she was telling him upon their first meeting like all the ridiculously excessive things that yeah. she wanted to be done to her. She, she was actually a great like side character. She 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 added a lot of laughs. They all were. Also, I really want to speak about just for a second, Peter O'Toole. Fan. Fantastic. So the man played Lawrence in Lawrence of Arabia. I've seen Lawrence of Arabia. It is the masterpiece that people say it is. It's a great movie. And I know he's had a career that's beyond that. But that role in itself was really, really good. And I got to say, an actor of his esteem comes into this movie, this nonsense movie, and puts he throws it all out there. He's he's. No, he's a his, real person. Yeah, he's he's given his best work in this entire movie. Yeah, and uh, is there anything else? Because I know we're keeping this really, really short, but is there anything that you want to go into detail before we hit our... Categories? Yeah. No. Okay. So uh, the director, David S. Ward, directed Major League, The Program, Major League Two, and Down Periscope. He also directed Sleepless in Seattle. He also wrote all of these, plus Sleepless in Seattle and The Sting. So he wrote all and directed all those movies. That, that's it's, there's a lot of talent in this movie, and it, I <laughs> think I think that movie. they they they. I feel like I should say more about it because I feel like they really pulled a fairly decent movie out of what should have been a disaster. I can't agree more. Um, and John Goodman's actually doing some good work in this movie too. He, I mean, he, he. I don't think he's, he's not at his best. He's but he's not slapstick, except for, in my opinion, that one scene. There, where there, and there's one more scene where I absolutely despise it. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um. Actually, we can probably get to it right now. I already gave my best scene. What so, was your best scene? What was your best scene? Was the darts and the oh okay and the spears? It was just entertaining. So my best scene is Peter O'Toole when Ralph goes to quit and the argument that Peter O'Toole's given him, like this this speech about how. You, you could either quit and you know, like you've done your whole entire life or you could face the adversity and man up and you need to be the king that England needs right now. And he did a great job. And I was like, I was convinced that he should stay. <laughs> I, I should be king. Yeah. I was like, I got this. Hold yeah. on. You know, oh, so you so you see, we kind of switched roles here a little bit. You kind of focus on the seriousness of the comedy. That's usually what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And I was so focused on the, the nonsense. Okay. I enjoyed a lot of the nonsense. All right. Uh, but yeah, so... Your well, worst scene? My worst scene was the dinner scene at, like towards the end of the movie. It was yeah. just so brutally just slapstick. Yeah. When they knocked over the entire uh, line uh, of glasses. After No. Well, let's start with what happened that caused that. He's cutting the chicken, but he can't cut the chicken, and it comes flying off his plate, hits the wine glass, and the whole domino effect of the wine glasses. Yeah, the table's like a mile long, and he knocks over yeah. 30 wine glasses oh, so in a row. stupid. And then that leads right into him doing the, the musical number, which we already discussed is just stupid. Yeah. didn't need any more of that. So my, that's my worst scene is the piano scene when he sings Gagali Miss Molly. So it's it's 
completely like I understand it's they're making him out to be he's, he's the he's the American everyman, but anybody with with an eye and an ear could read the room that that was completely not the right time to do what you just did like he's sweating going hard on the piano singing good golly miss molly he's jumping up and down and like the whole entire room is appalled they're just staring at him yeah yeah that i wrote down that this is the polar opposite of my best scene because my best scene took what was supposed what could have been a ridiculous movie and made it a real movie and, and the worst scene that. was Everything that could have gone wrong with this movie summed up. But at least it was only like three minutes long. Yeah, it didn't ruin the movie, but it should have been cut. But they did use it as like the the uh, driving factor of him ending up with the... Catalyst. Yeah, of him ending up with the low-life girl. I don't know what, what you call her. She's just the regular person. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Camille Cadori <laughs> played Miranda, who's and, the love interest. And she did a good job. She was fine. Yeah. Everyone was fine. There, there was I can't even say like so we always do best role, worst role. I don't think there was a worst role because I think you, Everyone kind of, you needed you needed every character mm-hmm. to put this movie together, and I thought everybody did a good job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, uh, I my best role was Peter O'Toole. Clearly, I mean, he he outshined everyone. He was clearly the best actor in the movie. And I think that that's a, maybe a problem with, with Goodman, too, is that I like John Goodman in small doses. Right. To see him carry a movie, he didn't do a bad job, but he wasn't right. He wasn't my number one. He does his best job when he's that secondary guy, just, you know, like... Um, the Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski, yeah. I was just... Perfect. Phenomenal. Yeah. He actually makes that movie better just by being in small pit. Infinitely small better. Yeah. Goodman makes The Big Lebowski infinitely better by doing what he does. Stella. Like yes, he he added such fun to that movie and like yeah, that it could have been really dry and like taxing on the emotions without Goodman in it. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get to most quotable lines. I have a good one. Go ahead. All right, so <laughs> this is delivered by Peter O'Toole. It's when uh, Goodman starts talking about how he's going to redecorate his room. Yeah. <laughs> Peter O'Toole is just like, we put the entire velour industry on standby. <laughs> that's great Uh, mine is uh, an exchange between Goodman and Peter O'Toole when Goodman first gets to the to Buckingham Palace and he's like asking questions he's like how long do you think you'll be needing me and then he goes you see a king is a king for life and he goes no problem my schedule's pretty open (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it was every dialogue in this movie I think those are the best parts of this movie, and it's a comedy. It was the dialogues. like the, the funny parts weren't even the best part. Just just the back and forth, the banter. Peter O'Toole was so perfectly dry. Yes. It was like the perfect British comedy actor. <laughs> yes. I, I really I enjoyed this movie. So Same here. I recommend it. I, I would watch it. I also like the punks watching TV. I thought that that was just the, the English oh, yeah. punks. <laughs> Like, what did he have on his? Someone was tattooed on his forehead, like F U. It was the middle finger. <laughs> and he, they had like the the mohawks and everything, yeah. and all the facial piercings. But they were so invested in the monarchy. <laughs> I felt, not knowing anything about English culture, I felt like that was a very English thing. <laughs> so yeah, so great movie. Uh, not great movie. I shouldn't say that. It was enjoyable. I out of ten stars, what we we never do this, but out of ten stars, what realistically, we give it? yeah, I'm giving it a five, because it's not bad, but it's also it's not a great movie. Maybe that's a terrible scale then. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10 in, sen- in terms of watchability, not movie Oh, it's quality. incredibly watchable. So a I, 7? I, in 7 or an 8, yeah. I give it a 7. Just for watchability, right? Just like yeah. You're not going to turn it off. It's like, You're not going to get so bothered by this movie that you turn it off. You're going to sit and you're going to watch I it. I would definitely enjoy I don't know if it was on if I would sit down and make it a point to watch the entire thing, but yeah. I'd definitely stay for a few scenes. You'd probably turn it on your Amazon uh, Alexa while you're cooking. Yes. That's a great point. I would definitely do that. All All right. right. Moving on. Number two. Sleeping with the Enemy. Starring Julia Roberts. Earning $101.5 million. What's your name? Where are you from? Hot question. She's changed her name. Her looks. Her life. All to escape the most dangerous man she ever met. Her husband. Where is she? This is our last chance. I can't live without you. I won't let you live without me. Julia Roberts, Sleeping with the Enemy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> 
I really look. I I think that I I thought I was gonna go into this hating the movie. See, I didn't hate it, but I also I didn't enjoy it. I I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't, no, I I didn't want to leave, but I also like I was like I, I could be watching the Met game right now. I yes, that's <laughs> that's a perfect sentiment because I feel like this movie could have not existed, and I would have having never known about this movie, I probably would feel the same way after seeing it if i never knew it existed see it's like the thing is though it's like you've heard everyone's heard of sleeping with the enemy is it just because julia roberts i have to i have to imagine that that's the only reason this movie's important or or memorable at all and i love the premise though too like i i really think like there's a good movie here you don't think so i mean there could be you could say that about any plot line almost battered woman with a psychotic husband fakes her own death to escape his clutches so that's the plot. Yeah, right. right? That's, I that's mean, fine. it's. I think it's a. It's a good vehicle for a movie. So also starring quickly, Julia Roberts plays Laura Burney. Patrick Bergen plays the abusive husband, who's Martin Burney. And then Kevin Anderson comes along later, plays Ben Woodward as the new love interest. For, and can, Elizabeth can, Lawrence plays uh, Julia Roberts' mother in the movie. Okay. So. so can I ask you why? I feel like before I forget, I want to bring this up. Ben Woodward. Why is he aggressively pursuing Julia Roberts? They, they've known each other hardly at all. And then he says outside, like he's waiting for her outside the, the library where he got her the job. And he's like, you need to open up. Either this is going to be something or it's not. Yeah, and it was it's a like, little guy, you've known her too, for yeah. like, you known her for like a day. Why don't you relax, <laughs> man? Let her get, uh, let her get accustomed to her new job. Or new she's home. acting a little weird. Like maybe you should read her a little bit and then back off. Like she's, because Julia Roberts is that good that like she showed she was a abused woman like yeah. every time he even gets close to her she shudders like it's, it's like clearly this woman has issues and you're just like pressing her why why in a, a a fair amount of movies lately that I've been watching why are men such pieces of shit like are we all pieces of shit and I, I'm just I don't realize it is that what it is I I think it the the problem is I don't think people in 1991 were viewing him as a piece of shit. Like, like the way he was like chasing after, like that was like, people thought that was normal behavior in 1991. I don't know, man. I just like, I, you know, I spoke to my wife about this and basically the perspective from her, as far as a, a woman goes, is like a lot of times you're uneasy, nervous or in fear when you're around strange men because you're a woman and, and they're men and the physicality is just is what it is. I guess that's something as a man that, like, I just don't realize. Like, because I'm a nice guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not physically, mentally abusive. I'm not overly aggressive. I'm just a normal dude. <laughs> Stop, bro. So, like, the the idea of, like, all men no. are pieces of shit just doesn't doesn't equate to me. Right. But I think it only takes one piece of shit, and that's the problem. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. I have nothing to say about it. I just don't get the all men are pieces of shit, like. Uh, like storyline i don't get it so i do have to say though julia roberts was at her t- typical a game in this entire movie why is she so compelling because it's just what she was like i guess born to do was to be an actress and she again it's just like peter peter o'toole in king ralph right she she approaches every movie as if it's important mo- it's as if it's as if it's important giving her best work putting her most effort into it and she always comes out as a top-rated actress. You know what I mean? Top-notch actress. And I have to say, though, I thought that the husband was terrible in this movie. Yeah, bad. He was just so acting, overacting, so hard, everything. Like, the entire first, like, half hour of the movie while she's with the husband, setting up the whole thing to be able to fake her death and escape, the, the whole time I'm just like, she's she's literally just carrying everything on her own shoulders. And then she's sitting on a bus, and for the first moment when she meets that woman on the bus who gives her the apple, that was like the first moment where she actually had someone to actually act with. Yeah. And that woman is just a, like a, a, a throwaway character. She was yeah. nothing in the yeah. movie. And I was just like, wow, this is just like, it's nice to watch Julia Roberts be able to act with someone. And then that was it because the boyfriend, he wasn't great either. No. And so really there was only like a 30 second throwaway moment in the whole movie that I thought was well acted on both sides. I uh, So let me ask you this then. So the, the husband, right? Martin, he's uber successful in whatever he does because they're in a big house on the beach somewhere. That's their, that's their summer home. That's not even their main home. And the house is huge and whatever. So you're, you're trying to tell me that a man of this stature that has clearly 
way more important things to consider is that concerned about the organization of the towels and the fucking cans well, in the I pantry? Mean, okay, so I think I think that one's easily explained away. It's OCD. The the man is a psychopath, right? He's he's clearly got is a sociopath, psychopath. What I don't even know the right terminology, but all these things fit together into his personality to make him the animalistic, awful human being that he is. I I get it. I just thought maybe show a di- figure out a different way to show that he's an asshole other than that he's concerned about but, the can. No, but that's okay though in the beginning of the movie. When I had an issue with that was when when he finally finds her and he he knows where she lives and his go-to move is to rearrange the cans in her closet and unless she was even looking for it like she knew if he ever finds me the first <laughs> thing he's going to do is rearrange these damn cans <laughs> i'll know he was here if the cans are straightened up cuz the first time she thought he was there she was the first thing she did was open up the the, the the cabinet to look at the cans and they were all disorganized and then she pushes one over i guess just for good measure and then then when he actually does find her the cans were organized like she knew that's what he was going to do and while we're on this jackass and how crazy he is how insane is it that all he wants to do is have sex to the shining theme song <laughs> also <laughs> why uh, I, I don't understand he put the boom box by the by the doorway with the shining theme song i just don't understand like how why why is he like creating like a torture chamber for her like would yeah, he just yeah, go yeah, in there yeah kill her and be done with it because that's what he would do this uh, that's what this person would do that's uh, you could have just skipped all over all that nonsense and just had the encounter and it would have been a fine movie. All that stuff ruined this movie for me. Yeah. I, I, I also wrote down uh, when she's in the escape scene. So she jumps off the boat and she supposedly can't swim as far as he can know, but she's been secretly taking right. swimming lessons. And I had seen this movie a few times in my youth and then, I was like, oh, I thought she hung off a buoy. I must be mistaking this with Jaws. <laughs> and come to find out, like, three seconds later, she She's was hanging, hanging off the, the buoy. buoy. I was like, oh, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of myself for remembering. Yeah. Um, I also had some issues with how he was putting things together, right? You have all these scenes where he, he, he finds the ring, still doesn't know what's going on. He finds the glass from the the yeah yeah the lights that she broke yeah still doesn't know what's going on and rather than letting him figure it out and like letting that be what happens no the girl from the y has to call and basically tell him that she was taking swimming lessons oh now all of a sudden he knows yeah the, the penny <laughs> dropped right like it, it, why did someone a man have to call that, him that was this him? a man that was the, also i did i completely disagree with the fact that she could as anal as this guy was that she could come in soaking wet into a house Yes, I had the same thought. And and in the dark, clean up her entire mess so he didn't know this, that anything was askew, get her clothes, get her shit, and get back out of the house before he got back. Like, I feel like that was completely irrational. 100% agree. Why didn't she just hide what she needed elsewhere? Yeah. So, and then who flushes a ring? Right. First thing, hold on. It's actually in my notes. I said, flushing the ring. This is going to come back to haunt her. <laughs> like, why like, not just as you're walking down the street, throw it down a drain? Yeah. No, fl- he, try to flush it down a toilet because that, that's going to work. Right. Because it, as if it's like an identifier where if somebody sees you wearing that wedding ring, they're like, oh, you ran away from your husband. <laughs> but even so, like, put it in your pocket, throw it away later. Yeah. You didn't need to throw <laughs> it away ever, really. You could have pawned it. Yeah. yeah. Made a few extra bucks, right? All right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's get into the categories. All right. Director Joseph Rubin. Uh, mm-hmm. He also directed The Good Son, which I remember loving that movie. Macaulay yeah. Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. We'll get to it. Money Train. Oh, I missed that. And Return to Paradise, which I'd never seen before, but I was shocked when I saw that Joaquin Phoenix and Vince Vaughn were in a movie together. And believe you me, this is the next movie that I watch. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Best scene? Uh, best scene for me like, was the bus ride with the lady because i just felt there was a lot of emotion there was an actual back and forth acting i just you know i just chose the to me the the part of the movie that was most well acted and it was that scene on the bus so i thought that at the theater the montage and the brown eyed girl song when him when her and the the new boyfriend whatever they're having fun every time there's a montage i lose focus i hate montages I like montages, number one. And number two, I thought that they did a good job, like, bringing back an old school song. Like, they made it a new classic again. All right. So, it was fun for me. That was a fun scene. 
Wait, can I bring up since we're talking about singing and sure, and it's, stuff, it's your it's half your podcast. You can bring up whatever you want. The fact that when she sees him out the window and he's dancing, singing the Jets from West Side Story, like he's jumping around. He's also watering trees. I feel like, like watering the grass and the trees. It was weird. Who does that? It was. It wasn't grass. It was like weeds and trees, <laughs> and it was not necessary. I guess buy a sprinkler guy, or maybe just let them take their natural course. <laughs> I had a problem with that. All right, I don't understand why, but okay. Uh, the worst scene. The worst scene. I already said it was when he's setting all the elaborate like "I'm here" moments. Yes. The the, the cans. The the the. The towels, the the song playing on the boombox, it was just all too much. And then his death was just his his overacting on that death scene was. He atrocious. didn't need to come back no. either. At the but end. I mean, that's typical. So whatever, I can get past that. Yeah, but don't don't do that though. Like, don't <laughs> do what's typical. She didn't double tap. She, I got a double tap. My worst scene is the close up from from the husband drinking from the water. Fountain. Oh, I have that. I have that written down. I said the worst part of this whole film was the husband drinking out of the water fountain. The way he was like. Like he was like opening and closing oh. just his lips yes. to drink the water. I like that we're on the same page with this because that was my worst scene because it was just a moment. I just said the worst moment, not the yeah, worst scene. But. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but still, I couldn't take it, so it had to go on. It had to go on my list. And then immediately after this, I wrote, "The husband is not good at acting." <laughs> <laughs> this is a fair assessment. All right, best role is clear. Julia Roberts. Look, I, I got to say, for the second movie in a row, this is a person that I do feel like, in retrospect, I have not given enough credit for their their capabilities. Like, I know she's a well-known actress, and I know she has some well-known movies. I feel like she, she's been wasted. Yeah, in some of these <laughs> movies, for sure. How but, about like in her role in Ocean's Eleven? Like, yeah. It's so minimal. Like, was it, like, Why yeah. wasn't she in that movie more? Well, I don't know. I can't yeah, speak we, to that. But time to get into that. But well, I think that I think part of the problem why we don't didn't appreciate her in the past is that I was eleven and you were six when this movie came out. Like this is yeah. not a movie for an eleven and a six year old. No, definitely not. So uh, I'll give I'll give us a pass. Worst right. role, the, the husband Patrick Bergen. I might give it to the mother. I just didn't like <laughs> the mother's role in the entire movie. I mean, but she was necessary. She had to be the point where he was actually able to find her. Without the mother, he never finds her, right? Because otherwise, it's literally uh, a needle in a haystack the size of planet Earth. I feel like I want to have a problem with the fact that he said he was a cop. And the mother's blind, so she didn't know what he looked like, clearly. But she didn't recognize his voice. That I found odd. I don't I think that they kept her from... from they kept the... The, he, the husband kept them... A, but I just feel like she gave up the information way too quick. But you can't blame her for it because the guy said he was a cop there to help. Blind. Help, and she's blind. But I just I didn't like it. So. Can I say though, her disguise was pretty good. Well, I didn't know why she needed the disguise. I had a problem with that because she was afraid that the husband would find the mother. That's why the only and she was right about it. The only it, it, I can't really argue that it wasn't necessary because. The only scenario in which the disguise was necessary was in the exact scenario that took place. If he was there. Yeah, but the whole idea is that she knows he's that like obsessive, right? He's going to find the mother. She knew he was going to find the mother eventually. There's a trail. There's no way of hiding where the mother is. Fine. So she had to be very careful. I actually liked it. I, think I, it I yeah. I think my problem is that I didn't really like this movie, so I want to have <laughs> I want to have more problems with it than there are. All right. Uh, most quotable lines. You got one. I have one, and it was a stretch because it's not my type of movie for quotable lines. But Martin, the husband, said at the end when he shows up the, at the house, it just solidified like the type of psychopath that he was. He says, "I can't live without you, and I won't let you live without me." <sighs> That's a good line. It was a good line. Yeah, you didn't deliver it well, though. I remember it. No, because I didn't. But I chose my line specifically for the delivery. I'm going to do it no justice. But my favorite line was when she's on the phone with the cops and she hasn't pulled the trigger yet. And she yeah. goes, please come quickly. I just killed an intruder. And she's holding the gun on him. I just the way she good. delivered it. I, I got chills from it. It was good. I also I feel scared. I, I also going to kill me. I also feel like in this day and age with forensics, like she might. She might be able to be tried for murder <laughs> at that point because she hadn't yet killed him. <laughs> she wasn't in, in immediate danger because she had the gun on him and he was right. unarmed. Um, 
also, I wanted to bring up that the nurse uh, that he enlists to help him is the girl from Groundhog's Day, the girl Nancy. The actor's name is Marita Garrity. But, um, yeah, Nancy, the hot oh, girl the from, one, Gran- the from one Groundhog's he, Day. The one that he tricks it, like he learns yes. how to play the piano for. No, that was for the main character. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Anyway. Yeah, oh, Lincoln High. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> All right. And coming in at number one in February of 1991, The Silence of the Lambs. Grossing? Grossing. $130.7 million. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. The killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Thank you, Clary. Thank you. I gotta tell you, look, in all in all honesty and sincerity, I, I was expecting more. I think. Really? Yeah. I was enthralled. I wasn't. I was I was entertained, but I, I just I thought that I was in for something more exciting. I don't know how to respond to you. I don't know. I'm being a downer, I guess. But you're, it bringing, was just... you're bringing me down big time. This this movie was everything I remembered it, and then a little bit more. I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't have much notes. I didn't have much to say. This, mo- just... this is a movie that doesn't miss a beat. It's not I, I, it's not bad by any stretch, but I just felt like it could have gone better somehow. All right, let's start with this. The roles. Really, you only need to know two people. Uh, Jodie Foster, Foster plays Clarice Sterling. Anthony Hopkins plays Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who's Hannibal the Cannibal. He's a, a uh, serial killer and also a cannibal. He ate his victims. He, he was a psychologist who... Yeah, he was a doctor. He was a psychologist. His, 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 his patients. patients, right. Yeah. And uh, he's locked up and they threw away the key, basically. And now there's a new serial killer that's out on the loose. They call him Buffalo Bill. And the FBI's bright idea, Clarice Sterling, is a, she's a cadet in the uh, FBI. And uh, she's enlisted by her boss to go and try and get information about the profile of a ser- serial killer from uh, Hannibal the Cannibal, who won't talk to anybody, but he's hoping we'll talk to Jodie Foster. That but, being said. But the whole reason that he does wind up talking to Jodie Foster is because the guy sends Clarice there without an agenda, without the agenda of getting information. She said, he says, just go talk to him. Yeah, that's fair. And that's, you know, good writing. And I'm, I'm on board with that. That being said, my two favorite scenes are when when Lecter gets free and he he's in that I guess I don't know museum wherever he's in and they have him in that cage in the middle of the room okay. and he gets free and murders everybody and he strings the guy up and he um what's that called guts him he guts him yeah all right so that scene that that whole like maybe ten minute scene and then the last scene in the house. So Other you're just going to skip over all the dialogue between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins? All yeah, the I thought pro- that didn't like it. Oh, my God. That was the best. The, the quid pro quos were the best part of this whole movie. Didn't like it. You know, it was. It I, was I, I don't even honestly know how to have a conversation with it you was about this too, right now. It was, I'm so mad you know at you. What, you know what maybe ruined it for me was Goldmember. Maybe Goldmember ruined because it was like a joke to me squid at that pro point. Quo. <laughs> yeah, squid pro row. Squid pro row. Yeah, I think that like made it a joke to yeah, me. Yeah, but I, 
I don't even know what it's to say. It's not that I didn't like it. I was just like, I knew it was coming, and I was just like... Well, of course uh, you knew it was coming. You've seen the movie before. Like, that's such an absurd thing to say. I don't know I, how... I hate you right I now. I don't know how to defend myself properly at, in the moment, but I, I just didn't... I didn't really enjoy it. Every part of this movie disgusted me. Like, in a way, like, that it intended to. Every, it, it's like, it just every part of this movie made me feel uneasy. Which yeah. is exactly what they were trying to do. Yeah. Every dialogue with Anthony Hopkins, he he was so like Yes, he did a he great was, job. He was just so disgusting without being disgusting. It was like weird. It was like he made my skin crawl. Yeah. By saying like things that weren't even necessarily abnormal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did say abnormal things, but a lot of times they were just talking and he was just asking her questions and I was like, Oh, why would he ask that? So so uh, whatever everything he, he said. Whatever he did. However, he decided to play the character was a was a wonderful can, decision. Absolutely. Can we talk about how he won the award for best actor with sixteen minutes of screen time in a what uh, hour and fifty eight movie? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's unbelievable. It's Im- he's an impressive actor. He's an impressive actor. I agree. I uh, look like I said. I don't really have a defense for myself. So all right, if there was going to be an issue with this movie, like. There's only the only thing I could even think of, and actually I only thought of this uh, while I was doing my research. How did Hannibal Lecter get caught? Nobody knows. But like the point is, like he's so detail oriented. He's supposed to be smarter than everybody, right? Hmm. A guy like him gets away with it. How, how does he? He's not a physical specimen. How does he murder everybody he comes in contact with? Well, because he's so intelligent. He's the Sherlock Holmes of serial killers. I, I guess so, but that's the whole point, though, right? So how does he get cap? Like, I don't believe that he was ever captured, unless he did it on purpose. In which case, tell me that. Well, and he doesn't don't. seem happy about his position, right. so I doubt he so, did it on purpose. So the whole idea of him actually having been caught, that bothers me. Fair. It's a fair point. That's the only issue I have with this movie, and that's like a that's like a, a stretch of like, okay, well, except the fact that the serial killer got caught eating someone. What bothered me about this movie is, again, every guy in this movie except for uh, her boss. Jack Crawford. So every every guy in this movie, with the exception of Jack Crawford, is a piece of shit. Every last one. Every guy. The police officers are looking down at her because she because she's a woman. The the other cadets that are men are either oogling her or the scene of in the elevator are twice the size of her and like she should feel, feel small. She should feel incompetent because she's a small woman. Like it's just why? Why? I get the point. She's a woman in a man's world. And, you know, and she's in the FBI. She's a woman. She's quote unquote attractive. Every guy asks her out. The fucking the guy that she oh, goes, the, the 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 weird entomology guy. Yeah, the weird guy with the cross eyes yeah. hits on her, asks her out. The guy that she goes to see Lecter through Lecter's doctor that supposedly runs the hospital sort of thing asks her out. Like that's not how the world works. And by the way, that's the worst role in the movie. Moving on, I think they they, they exaggerated it for sure, but I think that. In 1991, a woman trying to be in the FBI, trying to get to this high position, would face the difficulties that they tried to portray. And maybe they exaggerated a little bit, but I don't know. I've never worked for the FBI, so I, I don't have any inside idea of how that goes. <laughs> the one thing I will say is, what the fuck is going on at Quantico? Why are there 8 billion people there? It's yeah. like, And why, why to go to her boss's office? Does she have to walk through every... Every possible training sequence that occurs while at Quantico. Why was she pulled <laughs> off the training course? Like, they couldn't wait for her to get back? She was needed at that particular moment? <laughs> I don't know. They were hunting a serial killer. It's not like she, there's there's a deadline. Like, I know I mean, people's yeah, lives... The people's lives are in peril, but no. it's not the fact that, like... But, but there was a deadline. He the, made the, an arbitrary no, the senator, deadline. The senator's daughter was kidnapped. That, that was before this. Is this before that? Yeah, it was oh, before okay. that. Anyway, what else do you have on why you liked it? Because I'd rather go the role of why we like this, than the route of why we like this, than why we didn't. I just thought a lot of the decisions they made were 
really like on point. So for instance, the speed when they're explaining the like when they're walking her down to meet Lecter for the first time and the way that they're they're explaining all the rules, this the the quickness is that he's going through everything. It, it really got me like nervous and excited to see what was about to happen and where she was going. Like it really, really made me feel like I said, this whole movie makes me feel uneasy. And it's the way in which they do things, right? Because they could have easily said, okay, here are the rules and laid them out for her. But no, they did it while they're walking. They did it at a fast pace. And you, it makes you nervous, and you're not even the one going in there. But that's what they're doing, and it had that great effect. I was, yeah, I was uncomfortable. And then it follows with a turn to like om- ominous music, and then you hear the beeping and the, and the uh, wearing of the, like, the machines in the background. And it all just adds to this suspense, this, this uncomfortable situation. Um, then as she's walking past the prisoners, like going to meet Lecter for the first time, like they're out of their minds there. They're, it's it just, yeah, one guy's like it, almost catatonic. Awesome. The other yeah. guy's a nut. The other guy says the, the despicable thing that he says yeah, to her. Right. Yeah. And then when she walks out and what he does to her and then, and then like, it just, everything was just so fast paced in that scene that it really elicited, like I said, that emotion of just like uncomfortableness. Yeah. Being overwhelmed and uncomfortable and out of your element. And they do that multiple times with multiple different like means of making you well, feel uncomfortable. She did a great job. I mean, clearly, you know, Anthony Hopkins is the star of this movie, even well, though he's not the star of the movie. Jodie Foster did win Best Actress for this movie. She definitely did a great job. She did a great she's you know, she did a very good job in, in her role here. So I, I her ability to show her fear and confidence at the same time. Like, I don't know how, like, you, you, you manage that. Like, this whole idea, like, you could tell, like, you felt terrified because she seemed incredibly terrified. But at the same rate, she put up this confidence and, like, this, like, you felt like she was really in the scenarios that she was in. Like, she really, truly was terrified. Yet, she had to, you know, flight, fight or flight. And she had that fight in her. And, like... I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I can't see how you didn't get it as into this movie as I did. I don't know. I, I maybe I just I don't know. I maybe I wasn't in the right mind frame, but I just I, I I was expecting more somehow. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe the problem was that I was expecting so much from it that I got what maybe what it was and I just was hoping for more. Like think about like I like I referenced the hunt for the red October. Where I've seen the Hunt for the Red October so many times, but it's normally background noise. So I was like, oh, Hunt for the Red October. It's a solid movie. But then I sat down and watched and I was like, wow, this is a really good movie. I should pay attention but, to it. But you've seen Silence of the Lambs before. Like, this isn't the first time you've seen this movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. All right. So any, I don't uh, look. Uh, you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. You but need to um, rewatch this movie, and we need to re-record this 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 <laughs> discussion because I'm really like, like I, I I honestly don't know where to go because the fact that you don't like the the quid pro quo discussions, the I, the back and I, forth I like between. The, I thought that he oh was. Oh my god! It was I, just it's just the, pro, it's, right, so it's he, probably the best acting like you're going to see in a movie. I don't think you can can have better dialogue in a movie so here's here if if i'm gonna articulate my problem with with those scenes he's too intelligent he's too insightful it's just out of place when he's the first interaction when he's telling her about how she's from a small town and she's trying to hide her accent which is fine you could detect that she's trying to find hide her accent and then he's saying that oh you you all those uncomfortable romps in the the cars with boys how the hell do you know that, man? Like, that's such conjecture. You couldn't possibly know that that was but, a problem that she had. Or he's referring to what she deals with in the FBI. Like, it doesn't have to be like she can see that she's trying so hard to 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 prove herself that this has to be the reason she's trying to she's trying to outshine the men that she's always had to fight against her entire life, including her making her way into her career, which is something that he probably would have deduced just from the fact that she's a trainee at the FBI being sent to do this job because he knows they sent the woman on purpose because she's a woman. All right. You, you, again, you're probably right. <laughs> the writing's fantastic. You can't, I mean, you can, you can give me, give, give me your arguments for this being bad and I will come back at you twice fold. I don't know. You're right, bro. It's a great movie. I, I digress. <laughs> I, I, don't, I concede. I don't know what to say. Well, now that I have you convinced, I mean, <laughs> 
you weren't shitting your pants when you when she was stuck in the basement. Yeah, in, that was in the pitch best. black. A, if we're gonna st- fast forward, that's my best scene. That was by far the best scene in the movie. I think the only thing I don't like about that scene is how long it took him to to, to reemerge. Act. Yeah, um, I got like, okay, yeah, he's he's like wants to touch her. He wants to. He probably is infatuated with the fact that she found him, right? But I, I I just think he'd be quicker to the draw there. That's all. Yeah. He was he was cocky. He also he also obviously wasn't all there. So maybe that's the problem. So the director is John Denny, uh, born on Baldwin, born in Baldwin, excuse me, on Long Island. On Long Island, Long Island boy, Nassau County, Nassau County, Suffolk. Nassau sucks. <laughs> uh, directed Philadelphia and the Manchurian Candidate, amongst a bunch of others, but those are his highlights. Yeah, those are two top movies. So good for him. Uh, so we already did your best scene. Um, so I Wait, I want to elaborate on the best scene. Go ahead. Tell us so why it's from, the best scene. From, tell me more. So from the second that she gets to the house and she starts to look around and his house is in disarray, like he's clearly not a normal person. And she's questioning him and he's flicking through the business cards looking for the information to give her. And then like she pulls the gun on him. because she knew. She knew that something was off. Yeah. And then he runs away. And then so like the whole cat and mouse thing throughout the house, like she is full blown in a panic, hyperventilating, but at the same time pushing forward to do her job. This is what I'm talking about. It's the whole fight or flight thing. And the fact that she's able to convey this extreme fear, but panic, like panic, but also like, but also that she's fighting through the panic and she's confident in her training. Yeah. Now, this is actually something I thought was going to come back. Remember in the, uh, training montage where she forgets to check the corner i thought that was gonna uh he was gonna jump out from a corner yeah i thought that was gonna be and there might be a scuffle and it wasn't and i was kind of disappointed that it didn't and i because i didn't maybe she learned her lesson the first time and now she checks her corners right but that's my point i was hoping she would check the corner and like see him in the Uh, corner or something (laughs) i see that would have been good yeah uh a nice callback do you have a worse scene yeah you know my it's not that it's a worse scene it's 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 just the worst thing I saw in the movie, was the physical acting from Anthony Hopkins. I thought his 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 dialogue and his face, everything, his presentation of himself is fantastic. But when he's escaping from that cell, mm. like, and he's supposed to be like biting the the guard's nose, like, and he's like, and he's like wrestling them, and yeah. like, like it just clearly was he an old have, man. Yeah, he wouldn't have been able to to handle himself in this manner, and yeah. it, that bothered me a little bit, but. Ultimately, it was a good scene because, like you said, everything else, the, the writing on it, the the things that actually occurred were great. The guy being strung up, him cutting the guy's face off to cover his own face. Yeah. Like, I forgot that that happened and it actually caught me by surprise. I'm like, wait, what? Ha- I don't remember the scene. Where did where did Lecter go? And then when they're in the thing and the blood starts dripping, I was like, oh, that's right. He's, he's got in, the face. Yeah, he's in the elevator. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the dead guy's in right, the Right, right. But it reminded me that he had cut the guy's face off. All right. Uh, I'll take your face. I don't have a worse scene. <laughs> no more drugs for that guy. <laughs> All right. Best role is clear for me. Well, I shouldn't say that. My best role is Hopkins. My best role is Hopkins, too, but Jodie Foster was right there with him. Do you have a worse role? I don't because, like, I, if I had to say a worse role, I thought everybody did a fantastic job in their performances. Yeah. My worst role, and it's really nitpicking is the psychologist or the, not the psychologist, the, 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 the doctor, the head doctor of the mental facility of the, yeah. What do they call that? The asylum. Yeah. Cause he was just so like, I get it. Like he, he, but he, he was, he needed to win the pissing contest. See, I got it. I, but I'm it was sorry. Too much. No, I, Again. I, I wanted, I wanted to say him, but then I thought about it and I was like, He's the same guy from Die Hard, the, yeah. the the reporter from Die Hard, where he's such a creep but doing such a great job at it that he obviously I, I did he, the role. Great. I thought he was fantastic. It's not the it's not his performance that's my issue. It's, it's the role. It's the actual that no no the person character. no person is like that. The character is yeah over the top, but right. whatever. Like any person that would be able to get themselves to the point of power that he was at would know how to dial it back so that they don't ruin their lives yeah and the lives of others i mean it was just too much most quotable line i have a bunch i have one that really really stood out to me so you do yours so i don't do it by accident all right and it was the uh it was during one of the the with the squid pro rows (laughs) (laughs) um it was at the end of their conversation and uh 
he Lecter's trying to lead her into like okay to get in the mindset of Buffalo Bill, and he goes, and he goes, oh, what do you think? And he's like, she goes, most serial killers keep something from their victims. He goes, not me. And she goes, no, no, you ate yours. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was also very, like the imagine. I thought at that moment, imagine having that conversation with somebody to, and then like the balls to say it. Yes, to his that, face. that's why I loved it. Like, you know, like, no, you and, ate yours. And the way she delivered it wasn't, yeah. like, scared. wasn't It wasn't even confident. It's just it matter just, of fact. just, you ate yours. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I have a bunch. I'm in no particular order, she knocks on the door and she's asking Buffalo Bill about the, you know, the whereabouts of the people that lived there before. And she he's she's asking about the girl that disappeared. And he, he goes, your name is? Oh, uh, Jack Gordon. Mr. Gordon. Okay. Um, well, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lippman. Did you know her? No, uh-uh. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yeah, she was a big girl, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and she quickly corrects him, and she's like, yes, yeah, she, she was, was a, a big, big girl. girl. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that was one. Yeah, another one was... It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. <gasps> Mr. My Family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. I was trying to steer away from the ones like everyone refers to, you know, like ate, ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice bottle of Chianti. Why? That's great. That's yeah, it one is of a mine. great line, but everybody knows that line. So I was trying not to do the, the fan favorite. The exact line is, A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah, he says Chianti. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, this is a recommended movie. If you've never seen it, you definitely no, need no, to Kevin, see it. No, Kevin thinks you should skip this movie and no, never watch yeah. it again because it's horrible and terrible and he hates it. So, send all your all your hate mail to kevinbarton at gmail.com. That's not a real address. <laughs> send all your hate mail there. See what happens. You get some really astonished guy. But, you know, Kevin does run our Twitter. So if you go on Twitter, you can just tell him that he's a piece of shit because he is for hating this movie. Uh, it's also awfully aggressive. <laughs> I don't hate this movie. I would really love it if people just type, type right, right on it. Kevin's a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, you, you'd be right in saying so, but not for the reason that I hate this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. Watch this movie. Be uncomfortable with this movie. Have your skin crawl with this movie because that's what this movie does. All right. So that's February of 1991. Next month, we have The Doors, which I've never seen before. All right. Uh, is, it, is it like a movie about The Doors or is it like they yeah. follow The Doors? I'm pretty sure this is the one where uh, Val like, Kilmer plays Jim Morrison. Oh, okay. I can I can get on board with that. It's uh, the top. Uh, one of ne- or no, not it's not. It's in the top three of next month. All right, we have New Jack City. I cannot wait Woo-woo. to watch New Jack City again. It's been so long. Uh, we also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the Ooh, secret, secret of, of the, the ooze. ooze. This is the one where we get yeah a little too rough. <laughs> Why are you ruining my favorite quote, bro? I'm just uh, the whole time we're doing that movie. It's quiet, yeah, too quiet. That was easy. A yeah, little, a little too, too easy. easy. Hey, it's, look, it's Raph. Yeah, yeah a, little a little too Raph. Eleven year old me thought that was the best line ever <laughs> yeah, invented. It's the single greatest quote in any movie. All right, so there's some good movies coming out next month. Uh, I'm excited to watch all of those. Having never seen The Doors, can't wait to watch it. Hope it's good. Haven't seen New Jack City in decades, and I haven't seen Teenage Mutant Ninja T M N T two. Yes. In well, quite some time. I was really young at this time in life. So like 91, it's not until next year that I really start seeing all the movies. The kids' movies, I saw them all. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 is one of my top movies. I yes. love it. The, the, the opening scene with, I don't even remember the kid's name. He's just fighting, the pizza delivery boy, he's just fighting the, the whole clan. It's great. <laughs> all right. So next month is another good month. I don't think, again rehashing but i don't think that there's a bad month in in all of 91 so all right it's gonna be fun this was a short one but a good one so we look forward to seeing you again next week thanks for listening bye-bye